Hello, welcome to episode 98 of the Alternative Music Podcast. That is called Riot Act. This is what that is. <laughs> My name's Stephen Hill and his name's Renfrey Deadman. Wonderful start as usual. Thought I'd mix it up. <laughs> sort of tripped over it. No, like it's very good. Going a new way in it. Like going, oh, I've never been down this way before. I think I'll go and then you don't know what the footing's going to be like. So you obviously stumble over it a bit at the start mm, mm, so, but i've been down that alley now next time i know the lie of the land yeah wonderful it was a wonderful alley and i'm very thanks. glad to join you in the alley yeah really really good um thanks for tuning in to the show this week guys uh we're going to be reviewing new albums this week from lama god phoebe bridges protest a hero and Koraki plus on broken records we all get naked not literally that would be terrible uh with tommy lee from motley Crue's rap metal band methods of mayhem watch out towers of london they're coming for you mm. shooting their jizzy jizzy all the way um before we go any further <laughs> let's just take a moment to cleanse ourselves of that fucking vile <laughs> sentence uh, yeah, and talk about our good well, if you th- if you if you did if you disliked the amount of cum that we talked about uh, in the Liz Fair broken records, you're really not going to enjoy Methods of Mayhem. So um, yeah, yeah. Uh, th- this this it's, there's going to be a lot of cum in it. It's not just <laughs> this is not any old hot white cum. It's the hot white cum of someone who beats up women. Um, we want to say a big shout out to our friends at Musicism. So uh, obviously, as you probably already know, if you're a hardened long time listener, they are our compadres and friends and partners in sonic experimentation oh and uh loads of uh, new alleyways being opened up for Stephen hill today (laughs) yeah so um (laughs) if you go over to musicism.net that's music isum they do online tutorials for anyone who thinks i'd like to be a singer but i'm shit i like to be a guitarist (laughs) i'm rubbish i wish i could produce a record but i can't because i'm shit i can't Uh, twiddle knobs They'll sort you out. They will sort you out and we will sort you out with a 25% discount off of their price to get all of their online tutorials. Put Riot in capital letters in the checkout and away you go. Be better. Go forth and know him better, man. (laughs) (laughs) That's in the Muppets Christmas Carol, the ghost of Christmas. I got that. I got that. Yeah. What a great film. Fantastic film. Wonderful film. Feels like it's slightly too early to be... uh, you know, doing talking about the Muppets Christmas Carol. We are recording um, this in as June. As we record, yeah, mm. oh, it's, a, it's a film for all seasons, isn't it? Well, no, uh, no, well, it's not one, <laughs> one main one. Um, all seasons, well, f- apart from three, uh, <laughs> but all the others, yes. Um, we should all say before we. Or the other. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Um, go over to our Patreon page as well. Patreon.com forward slash Riot Act podcast. We've got some absolutely superb content now on that page, I think, Renfrey. I'm dead happy with all the stuff that we've got on there. We've got Rioters reviews on the likes of the Manic Street Preachers, Nick Cave, Bonivere, Oasis, Typo Negative, Caius, the Natural Born Killer soundtrack, Neutral Milk Hotel, Block Party, uh loads loads and loads and loads of others then crooked vultures yeah an anti-mask one has gone up this week as well yeah. for our patrons um right mm-hmm. uh, at podcast.com slash pay no <laughs> patreon.com slash right podcast yeah that was a dead end that new that uh, was yeah. place that you went to yeah mm. um and yeah you know devin townsend 
screaming trees, them crooked vultures, loads of stuff. That is for any amount of money that you pledge. If you want to, if you want to, you know, you can have that. No one can take that away from you for the one pound. But if you want to risk it all on a five pound tier, you get access to our very excellent classic albums series that we do where Renfrew or I once a month pick one of our favorite albums, which is kind of becoming two or three or four albums at the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, and we do massive mammoth, huge podcasts about them we did one the other day which i'm not going to talk to you about just yet but we did one the other day and it was really good wasn't it i think it was uh, it was it was excellent uh it was absolutely excellent um yeah i mean we we, we have to be stum but yes we did and it was uh, really good you you will hear that um in five six weeks five Mm -hmm. but right now this very second what would it be in a new lamb of god album this week we decided to release a double classic album series special on As the Palaces Burn and Sacrament. Um, As the Palaces Burn is actually free for you all, so you can hear the kind of thing what we do on the Classic Albums podcast. But uh, if you want to hear the second part, Sacrament, you have to sign up to the £5 tier. And um, just a great reminder of what a fucking excellent band Lamb of God are. Um, I was just sort of looking for some news because I didn't want to go from talking about Lamb of God and our special with Lamb of God to just talking reviewing lamb lamb of god <laughs> straight away but um we could have a little oh, five minute silent pause here's like. no 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 <laughs> i found something excellent, excellent to talk about um uh in a who can be more of a cock um sort of face-off cock wars, cock wars. this is uh like, i mean you're gonna do we're gonna probably do methods of mayhem versus limp biscuit later on so this feels like it's a little bit of a kind of warm-up for this because johnny burrell has responded to the fact that matt healy from the nights and johnny burrell from Razorlight. um <laughs> why isn't he a, dead yet it's well he's responded to matty healy from the 1975 calling him a wanker um in 2013 Matty Healy said Johnny Burrell is a wanker because he's a wanker, not because not because Razorlight got massive. Now, that's probably the best thing that Matty Healy's ever said. <laughs> yeah, possibly. Um, Johnny Burrell has um, finally taken him seven years to think up uh, some sort of riposte to that. And his riposte is, it seems like a strange thing to say. That's it. That's all he's got. That's all he's got. Really? Um, well, sort of. He said, um, we're not worried about being a, becoming a bunch of wankers um, uh, because the people who become wankers were always going to be wank. Oh, this is from, sorry, this is from Matty Healy. Says, uh, we're not worried about becoming a bunch of wankers because the people that become wankers were always going to become wankers. Johnny Burrell's a wanker because he's a wanker, not because Razorlight got massive. And Johnny Burrell was replied by going, seems like a funny thing to say, whoever he is, whoever he is. <laughs> you, you, you know, you know who he is. Um, whoever he is, he didn't say it to my face. Well, no. I mean, he was asked about being a wanker in an interview. Mm. Um, I think Matt Healy's probably right. I mean, it goes to show that just because the 1975 had got massive, that's not why he's a wanker. Yes, absolutely. And Johnny Burrell, let's not forget, um, once said, I'm probably going to paraphrase here, but basically it's not along the lines of Razorlight are the best band in the world ever <laughs> kind of thing, didn't he? I mean, I don't. I love it when they say that. Quite a few people it. listening to this may not have heard Razorlight. Um, I don't want to recommend Razorlight to anyone because they're fucking no. abhorrent. Uh, but just, I don't know, just give a little 30 second um, listen to whatever the, whatever song from, on, from Razorlight. It's going to be shit. Um, mm. They're abhorrent. When we talk about that mid-noughties uh, indie 
thing that became fucking huge uh, early noughties to mid noughties kind of yeah. thing. razor light are one of the key ones that worst go, ones you are fucking atrocious yeah awful that- absolutely awful um just to kind of close up on this um apparently someone just read it to him that's why he's responding it now he didn't know anything about it he says i don't think i've ever met him so it seems like a strange thing to say you've just read that to me and i think gosh i hope he's doing all right man because i don't think you give it out to people who you don't know unless you're not doing all right yourself now i i i think again like both of them even though they are definitely both wankers they've both sort of hit on some sort of undeniable truth here yeah I think, because yeah. i don't think that, which makes us sound like we're not doing all right. All I can say is we're doing okay. <laughs> but um, we're just pointing this out. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think, I don't think Matty Healy is doing all right. And I don't, and I think he probably would have been a wanker even if the 1975 um, hadn't got big. But I think he's also right to say uh, Johnny Brown's a wanker and he probably always would have been a wanker. So two wankers don't, two wankers don't make a right. But in this case, everything feels... <laughs> Like it's sort of a, about right. Do you know what I mean? Two wankers make a mess, I'd say. <laughs> just as just as you take <laughs> yeah. just as you take a sip of your tea. <laughs> yeah. Well, it is a mess, isn't it? I mean, it is an absolute mess. I, I, Definitely. You know, a mess. I, I still think there's some really good shit on that last 1975 album that we reviewed. Far better than anything Razorlight have ever done. I would but concur I, with that, and I'm not but, even a very big fan, yeah. No, but um, but Matt Healy is giving, giving a go <laughs> at being as dislikable a person <laughs> yeah. as, um, as, uh, as Johnny Burrell, which, you know... It's quite a fucking task to be oh. as dislikable as Johnny Burrell. He's doing a relatively good job of it as well, isn't he? I mean, with the absolute wank that comes out of his mouth. Um, mm. But yeah, uh, oh well, I don't know. Rockstars being wankers. Is that news? Well, we've decided it is. <laughs> <laughs> that particular bit was particularly a bit of news. Um, anyway, that was just thrown in just to break up the Lamb of God chat, really, Renfrey. Mm. Which is, I think it did, it did its job. Now, it did a wonderful never... job. Now let's never mention them again um, until the fucking Razor Light comeback album comes out and we get forced to review it or something. No, yeah. Renfrey's shaking his head saying, straight into broken records with you, I'm afraid, yeah. Mr. Razor Light yeah. album. <laughs> Absolutely. We don't have a Razor Light record in, do we? Do we have a Razor I think so, no. Mm. They, headlined, they headlined Reading. Mm. They headlined Reading. Yeah. Didn't they do it on their second record or something like that as well? Yeah. Was it their it wasn't their first. No, but they did. No, it wasn't quite, their first. Quite, quite, no, just awful, abhorrent. How did that happen? Headlined Reading Festival, the same as like Eminem and the Foo Fighters headline Reading. Well, I think they I mean, headline Reading. Reading in Leeds, you know, one one thing I will say for Reading in Leeds is they, they headline all, Leeds too. Uh, yeah, it, it is. Um, they've. What Reading and Leeds do is they're on the cusp of the zeitgeist of what is popular. And to, to be fair to them, they have maintained that throughout their 40-year history. They've been going a while. Yeah. 50, maybe. I don't think it's quite that long, but they've been going a while. And and that's what they've always done. And, you know, fair play to them. That is, they they do that very well. But it just goes to show that, as we say quite often, just because something's popular doesn't mean it's any good. And I think the Reading and Leeds lineup is a yearly reminder of that. That's true. And um, also, I just think it's the drop off because there's, there's stuff that I don't like that's headlined Reading before. But like you go, 
Yeah, you know, like I don't like the Kings of Leon, but they are massive. Or the Killers or whatever. But they are definitely massive. Mm. But Razorlight, people used to like Razorlight. They're Fucking... a foot, but they're a footnote at this point, aren't they? Yeah. So, feels a bit right. Anyway, um, Razorlight there. Let's never mention, as I said, let's never mention them again. Uh, Lamb of God have a new album out. It's the eighth studio album from Lamb of God. Not the tenth. Not the tenth enemy. The oh. enemy have said it's the tenth. It's not the tenth. I was gonna. I was gonna point this out. Um, so the 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 review from the enemy it says this this Lamb of God's tenth studio album marks the Virginia's band band's first release since 2015's Seven Strum and Drang, the longest the group have ever left it between records. Now, what has happened here is is the review. It has included the two Burn the Priest records, hasn't he? That's that's yeah. haven't they? Yeah, hasn't, hasn't he? I can say hasn't he? Um, mm-hmm. And. Um, but they're know. neglected to count Legion, the covers album, which presumably, if you are counting the Burn the Priest one, Legion would be the ninth album. Hence, it's not the first studio album since 2015. Strum and Drang, is it? It's, so you've tied yourself up in knots there. The the, the knots. Are, I mean, there's so many knots in that sentence. So many knots. Yeah. Um, I mean, I know I'm usually the stickler for this sort of thing. I, I'm constant, you know, and I know it's an irritant uh, and I'm constantly correcting you, <laughs> and I, you know, which I'm fairly proud about. Um, but uh... <laughs> if you have nothing else to be proud about, then it's probably <laughs> worth being proud about that. Yeah. Well, I don't. Um, but <laughs> but um, you've got a window, know. haven't you? You should be proud of that. You're just telling me about your window before we started recording I do, I do have a window yeah yeah just before we started recording the heavens absolutely burst forth and um i uh everything around me is wet because i left my window open so just to give an idea of the conditions i'm recording under and because you'd been listening to methods of mayhem oh i'm so angry yes anyway but we're not talking about that but yeah um eh, 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 lamb of god it's their fucking eighth album <laughs> It's not their 10th album. And it's certainly not their 10th album if their last one was their 7th album and they've released something in between as well, which you're counting. What are you on about? Anyway, we'll um, kick the enemy in the bollocks really hard later on this show as well. So, mm-hmm. sorry, no. Um, but it is the first Lamb of God release to feature drummer Art Cruz, who um, has come in after the original member, Chris Adler, was forced to quit the band. Um, here's an interesting thing that I noticed, Renfrey. Usually... Uh, when a band releases an album this far into their career that is a self-titled album, they usually go down the line of going, well, we've made it our self-titled one because it's the most definitive thing that we've done. Mm. This is the the thing that everyone remembers for. And that is almost universally untrue. Rancid, self-titled, new. Killswitch Engage, self-titled, no. Deftone, self-titled, as good as it is, no. Suicide Silence, absolutely. <laughs> like, as far away from it as could possibly be. And now, Lamb of God. It's usually um, a sign of a band making a statement, just to sort of reinforce what you're saying. And it's usually a sign, yeah, of a band going, this is this epitomises us and who we are. Um, yeah. And we will, it will be the album everyone remembers us for. Mm. And it never is. And Lamb of God, like, just as a very, very quick... Well, it's not even a spoiler. We're reviewing it now. That's not that's not going to be the case with Lamb Absolutely of God. Absolutely not. The no. album. What, um, I will, what I will say, though, is there are... Um, 
I don't know if you picked up on this, but I thought that there were some comparisons to be made with uh, Black Album in the sense that um, this record, I think for a Lamb of God record is quite stripped back. I think it's more straight to the point than Mm -hmm. a lot of their albums. I think it's quite cutthroat in a sense. Uh, Obviously, it's heavier than a casual Metallica fan would be accustomed to. But in many ways, particularly that simplified direct approach, I think there are parallels to be made. Do you agree with that one? Uh, not to the extent of And Justice for All to the Black Album. It's not as much no. of a jump at all. No. I mean, what I was going to say was that I personally wasn't mad about Strum and Drang, or I'm not mad about Strum and Drang at this point. Initially, I actually thought it was really great. Now, the reason I thought it was really great is because they definitely did try and do a few new things mm. on that album. And that is something which should always be applauded. Um, although at this point, having listened to their back catalogue a lot in the time when we were doing the double album special, and we obviously wanted to have a lot of the context surrounding the record. Strummer Jang is probably not taking Lamb of God into account. Um, before I got this record, let's say, I was like, I think Strummer Jang is probably my least favourite Lamb of God album. Okay. Um, but you know, I was kind of hopeful that there would be because they did introduce like some of the new stuff, like what they did on Overlord with more of Randy's clean vocals. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, I was kind of hoping that we would get a real um ex- uh, exploration, a deeper exploration of that stuff mm. when the next Lamb of God record came out, mm. and here we have the next Lamb of God record. And we do get a kind of unusual opening moment, at least with a bit of kind of Randy's clean singing on the first track, Memento Mori, Mm -hmm. which is when you think of opening tracks from Lamb of God, Black Label, Mm -hmm. um, uh, Walk With Me In Hell, um, Contractor, I think is one, isn't it? It's Contractor, yeah. Um, And, oh no, it's not, is it? Contractor's not the opening song on Wrath it's uh set you've got found. well it's the passing isn't it yeah but that's like a little intro yeah the intro track okay, okay um yeah sorry and um, uh ruin from as the past yeah uh yes we don't need to name them all um yes it is uh an unconventional well, the, the big one obviously is laid to rest well i was going yes. to say like the big one is obviously laid to rest it's the big 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 one of those really yes. um but lamb of god normally just comes straight out and fucking nut you right in the bridge of your nose mm-hmm. with whatever song they're opening with mm-hmm. mm. and they don't really do that initially this time with memento mori and i was like hmm good what a what, good start it's probably the most experimental this record gets though isn't it which i think is the point you're you're moving <clears throat> on to say yeah um, much. a fellow colleague of ours who i won't name just in case they don't want this opinion attached to them i'm i imagine they'll say it in their review but um they said to me that the new Lamb of God album sounds like a mix of Rev- uh, Resolution and Seven Strum and Drang, but less experimental than both. And broadly, I think that assessment is correct. Yes, I mean, I think um, it's a funny one, this, I think. It's a funny one because, you know, you've got you've got the next song after Memento Mori, which I think is a great, is a really good opener. And it made me go, oh, that's cool. Yeah, I think Memento Mori is a solid opener and I like it a lot. Yeah, Yeah, really good. Um, Checkmate, which some of you also will have heard, is got a kind of Southern rock opening, which I like, but then it does go into what I guess you, 
Yeah, what, but what I guess you'd describe as fairly atypical Lamb of God sound. Yeah. And I feel like there's quite a lot of a reliance and a falling back on of that very, very typical Lamb of God sound far too often in this record. Um, with, with Checkmate in particular, and it's the only time that I'm going to be really picky with this, but um, I think it's actually even worse with Tech Checkmate. Um, mm. Something I mentioned on the Classic Album special was something we both talked about. We talked about how Randy was a really great metal lyricist, as, as metal lyricists go. Really, yeah. really good. He comes up with some great imagery. I think we were discussing Black and the Cursed Sun when we were <clears throat> talking about the imagery that mm -hmm. he comes up with. And I talked about how Randy's lyrics are never eye rolling. Um, mm. Something which, let's face it, is pretty rare in metal lyrics. Yeah. Um, sadly, that incredible run has been broken on Checkmate. <laughs> and uh, Randy's appropriation of the American dream, turning it on a dime and calling it the American scream which isn't dreadful, but it is somewhat strained at best or even a little bit shit at worst. Um, it's not something that I would have even think was even worth mentioning if La Randy's lyrics hadn't been so consistently good up mm. to this point. But because they have, I think it is worth mentioning. Do you agree yeah. with me? I do a little bit. I mean, I was actually about to bring up Gears, which I think the mm. riff is great. The song itself is great. And it's kind of railing against a consumerist society. So it's very like a typical metal fair. But again, some of the things it's like, sometimes Randy Blythe said, says things and he says things in a way in his lyrics that you go, I've never really heard anyone say that before. But I was listening to Gears and I was like, it was the first time where I went, I don't really feel like this stands out like a great Randy Blythe lyric or yeah. a great Randy Blythe performance. And I was sitting there and I was thinking, you know, this is very Lamb of God and I love Lamb of God and I do like the song, but I was sort of wondering why this doesn't excite me as much as a band I have done in the past. And it's a hard thing and it's a struggle to put your finger on because... I have a theory. Yeah, because, okay, go on. It's because they're coasting. Well, I mean, I think this is it. I think because we've heard them do this before. And even if you go, well, it's not strictly better in terms of when you write it down as a piece of music. We have heard it and we have heard it played with, I think, certainly with more sort of fire and vigor than yeah. you get on um, than you get on many parts of this, than a, than a, a fair bit of this record. Although, just to chuck a positive in there, one thing I will say regarding the fire and vigour, for a band on their eighth record, it is, it is their eighth, not their tenth, yeah. uh, and for a band who've been going as long mm. as they have, what is nice to hear from this record is they do st they're do still undeniably a very intense, very heavy band. There's nothing about this record which is watered down, I don't think. Still fucking heavy as fuck, isn't it? No, no, I think it's great. I mean, uh, the, sort of, the, the, the bits of frustration come from me. Like, look, do you know what? This album's good. And if it had come out in, say, 2004, 2005, yes. if this had been Sacrament, yes. we might have been talking We might have been talking about this as the definitive Lamb of God album because there wouldn't be a lot to kind of mm. um, compare it against and be like, you know, and, and to go, well, you know, is this as good as Redneck? Is this as good as Curse of the Black and Sun? You know, there's there's a lot of things that have come since this where you go this is just fucking unbelievable but i don't know swap those two albums around and 
it's really hard to say it's really hard to say what you because again like putting your finger on exactly what is wrong with this album i've found quite hard and i mean and when i say what's wrong with this album it's making it sound like i don't think this is good i think it's stuff like i mean the opening to reality bath sounds like welcome to sky valley era caius and it's mm. great and i was like oh that's fucking great mm. but then it goes into a very classic very typical lamb of god sound mm. now it's really good it's a good song but i just think you could have expanded on that and it mm. just kind of comes and it goes away like the intro you've got this really weird creepy intro at the start of resurrection man yes which is and a song never... that generally i like but yes yeah I, I mean i like it i think it's really good but they never go back to that start they use this little start and you go oh, that's intriguing and then landy randy just goes Bleh! and then they're into another Ra- lamb of god song and actually mm. the end of that song is what you were talking about that kind of straight ahead stripped down metallica thing i mean it's a one note dun 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 yes. beat down. It's like a fucking deathcore song. The, the I, last like bit of that. I was gonna. I mean, that is one of the moments to me that showcases what a fucking phenomenal band Lamb of God are. Um, I've been relatively sneery about breakdowns in the past. Um, I I don't mind breakdowns. I think they're insanely overused um, in metal, but I I don't mind them. There's a breakdown in Resurrection man that you the part that you're talking about um and it's just one chord played on one car uh one guitar and then two notes played on the other that's all it is but it sounds fucking brilliant and and that's an example of how good lamb of god can be and in 99 percent of other bands hands that wouldn't it would be rubbish but but there's a intrinsic you know forgive me for saying it but x factor to lamb of god that shines through occasionally on this record and you go yeah this band mm. are capable of fucking brilliance which I, is I why it's a shame that, that they're coasting mom- oh yeah, you don't I mean, think I, it is i don't think that is one of those moments to be perfectly honest i listened okay. to it and i was i was just like well you know that felt I wouldn't say it feels lazy i mean i guess it serves the song quite well but when you go when you think from what it starts as to end with a a breakdown it's like i was kind of expecting something more than just 20 seconds of this really weird creepy sort of intro mm. and then for it to just be gone and it never come back and you end on it just going dun 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 i think they could have done so much more with in terms of what the song could have been i mean mm. you're right look i if you like a breakdown chances are i'm gonna like it right mm. yeah i'm not saying it's bad i'm just saying i think if there are a few times where i think that feels like a wasted opportunity. And that thing that I was saying from Strum and Drang, where you had an idea and you kind of didn't fully realise it. Well, maybe you'll realise it on this album. I think, unfortunately, again, they haven't really realised those other ideas. And that doesn't make Lamb of God a bad band. Lamb of God are a fucking great band. band. And this is a very good metal record. But Lamb of God are better than most metal bands. And a very good Lamb of God... (coughs) A, v- a very good album, a very good metal album is still not as good as a good, lamb, like a brilliant Lamb of God album. I'm more or less going to repeat what you just said. It's a very good metal album, but it's a weak Lamb of God album. Yeah. Go. That was a clearer way to say it. And then, there's stuff on it that is really good. I mean, when Jamie Jester turns up on Poison Dream, I think it's 
That bit is fucking great. I Jaster think that sounds bit wicked. Can get to shit, but then really? I think Jamie Jaster's the epitome of average. So you know, um, well, I think he's. I think he comes in and lifts it, and that was well, was a bit worrying because Randy Blythe is far better than Jamie Jaster Fuck. as a vocalist and lyricist in general. But Jamie Jaster gives that song a bit of a fucking pep. I think. I think mm. he. I, I think he actually makes that song suddenly like go into a different gear. Mm, I think it's fucking rubbish. Um, <laughs> frankly, I think the um, there are two guest slots on this record. Um, Lamb of God guest slots have been really interesting in the past because there haven't mm. been all that many. But um, when I think of the guest slots they've had, obviously there was Chino and Greg um, from uh, uh, Chino from Deftones, Greg from Dillinger Escape Plan on the last record, both of which are probably highlights of that record, I would say. Yeah. Um, there's um, uh, oh, Matey Boy from Today is the Day. Fuck Steve sake. Austin. Thank you. Steve Austin um, on uh, New American Gospel, Terror and mm-hmm. Hubris of Frank Pollard, I yeah. think it's called. Brilliant, brilliant again one of the highlights of that record uh i think alex skolnick from testament playing Ah. solo on um ashes awake as well yes very well remembered i think the both of the the um i mean you obviously don't agree but i think um the um jamie jaster and and chuck billy is the other member on this record i think both of those songs Mm. are probably the weakest songs on the record um and that thing of like the reason why they've done it so well in the past is they've integrated the guest spots so well to me when, I mean, yeah, you definitely don't agree with this, but to me, when Jamie Jaster comes in, it it just makes it sound like a totally different song. I mean, I, I can see what you're saying in that it gives it a bit more drive, but it, it, it feels like a guest spot plonked on top of a song rather than an integral part of the song. And um, in the, the Chino song in the Greg song, in the um steve austin song that is not the case they feel like integral parts of the song Mm. Mm. yeah maybe i mean i yeah i think it it was just a bit of a shocker to to be like oh jamie's put it into a different gear when he's up against randy Blythe. that shouldn't be happening something happened when he comes in something happens like the 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 molecules in the room change as i like to say because i'm a pretentious cock but um you know but they do like something changes when he comes in and it's like oh but um your reaction to that is either going to be yay for you or no for me um (laughs) uh but uh yeah i think this album's bookended incredibly um i'm kind of amazed that they put a song like on the hook uh, as the last song on the record because it's fucking great well yeah i was gonna say on the hook is such a great closer yeah. Lamb of God have got fucking previous with great album closers, to be fair to them. Yeah. Um, like, really Fast and Furious, not the film. Um, <laughs> but, I re- yeah, I really like that song, and it made me go... Ah, that's one of those ones where you go, you listen to the whole album, you go, this is good, but why am I not super excited about it? And then that comes on, and you go, ah, because you, ah, be yes. you can be that good. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. That's that's exactly I, it, isn't it? It is, it is that thing, you know, are we being overly harsh on this? In a way, yeah, but we're being overly harsh on it because Lamb of God are capable of so much more. And 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 unfortunately, that has been really accented to us because we've just done this special and as the palace is burning sacrament. Yeah. And we yeah. got we got this promo around the time that we were researching for um those two albums. And um 
it's tough listening to probably their two best records and then one of their worst <laughs> next to one another but it does show the disparity it's um it's, yeah it's, I, it's, I i felt that as well i i mean i have to say when we've been listening to like you say the records that we've been listening to on a fucking loop for like a week mm. and then going cool we've done that now let's go to the new mm, one mm. and you're like this oh. does doesn't and and there's a I, I do think there are many reasons for that obviously we've had those records with us for a very very long time we discovered that band through those records i mean if you listen to the special you'll hear how both of us discovered lamb of god via listening to you know that era of the band and how fucking exciting they were there and and also how different they were to mm. what else was going on in metal at the time and now it feels like a lot of people have seen lamb of god and gone oh we can kind of do that and we've also just got used to lamb of god being around and making really really good records and this is another good record and i do think mm. were it to have come out in 2003 you'd be playing it now like it was some sort of fucking modern classic you probably would because it's really really good um I, I, and there would I, have I'm, been no I'm context not sure, i'm not sure if i'm fully behind that i just don't think the songs are good enough to be honest i think yeah. i think i think too many of the songs are very average there's 10 songs on this record i reckon half of them are actually really good um but half of them are just meh I, I don't know. I like New Colossal Hate. I think that's a banger. I mean, but again, that really borrows the riff from Black Label. Mm, mm, it does. Like heavily borrows that riff. Yeah. And you go, oh, I like this because it sounds like one of their other songs that is better than this. Almost as if they're running out of ideas. Um, overall, it's not a bad album by any stretch of the imagination. Um, but it is Lamb of God coasting, as I said before, as opposed to doing anything all that exciting. I think like mm. Strum and Drang and Resolution before it, it's an album that you'll listen to a fair few times in what I like to call the honeymoon period, where, yeah, every, where all, the, that, all the songs are fresh and everything's exciting and new and you're like, oh, new Lamb of God, fucking great. Honeymoon periods these days are getting shorter and shorter and shorter and shorter because there's just so much shit coming out all the time and we, we just move on to new records just constantly. I mean, particularly you and I can empathise with that when, when yeah. it's our fucking job I, to move on to other records. Um, I've only I've only been able to kind of re-listen to about five albums this year. Yeah, same, same. Um, but once the honeymoon period is over, are many Lamb of God fans going to return to this when Sacrament exists? or As the Palaces Burn, or Wrath, or New American Gospel, even. My gut feeling says that there won't be very many returning to this album two, three, four months down the line. We'll see. Um, I might be proved wrong, but I doubt it. And I think the problem is this is the third record in a row that Lamb of God have done that, that, that has that honeymoon period problem. Mm. i think although actually resolution on in re resolution is a weird one i think isn't it because that kind of had that honeymoon period and then went away and now on reflection i listen to resolution and go actually this is a far better record than i remember it being in a lot of cases i actually i mean i never had much of a platform to express it at the time but i always um defended resolution to an extent um because it's by far the most experimental thing they've ever done. Not all of the experiments on it work, but it's like, well, at least they're fucking trying. Um, but one thing I will say about Resolution, I mean, there's nothing on this record that comes within a fucking millimetre or an inch of King Me, for example. Yeah, it's true. 
Not both a thing. in terms of how good it is or how far they push the level of experimentation. Yeah. Yeah, in terms of quality and experimentation, there isn't a moment on this record that gets that can hold a candle to King Me. And King Me isn't even I mean, it isn't even the top ten Lamb of God song. It's probably maybe well, top I've, twenty. But well, I was gonna say like what people will think of that album they'll think of like desolation yeah or ghost walking, ghost walking. kind of the big songs from it and they're the big songs they, but the best they, one is king me <laughs> no but when you think of the bit like those big songs those oh, are there's the nothing singles, as yeah. Yeah, yeah there's nothing as big as the big songs on resolution on this Absolutely i don't think not. No. there's nothing as good as desolation on this album i don't think personally no, maybe no, memento no. mori maybe no i I'm, um, I'm, I'm i'm with you on what you first said i don't think there's anything as good as desolation on it yeah that's probably not uh anyway listen it's still pretty good you should still listen to it because it's lamb of god mm. but yeah. you know what what do i know what is that oh, it? there's nothing to say is there <laughs> no, not really. the self-titled lamb of god album is out right bloody now let's move on to something very very different indeed phoebe bridges the album's called punisher it's the second full-length solo album from the u.s singer-songwriter the follow-up to her much acclaimed debut album strangers in the alps from 2017 it will surprise neither you nor me nor anyone um that this was something that renfrey as a big fan of what you like to call kind of sad girls i think is what you said uh, at the start of the year i really like sad girls and i was like well they weren't do, sad until they come into contact with you actually but, i, I um, do i do love it when you when you bring up that quote and take it out of context yes it makes me, <laughs> makes me feel like a really top tip top human being um but annoyingly you're right uh i'm a huge fan of phoebe bridges first album stranger in the alps um probably mm -hmm. one of my favorite singer songwriter albums from the past five years or so i would say um quick aside have you listened to it by any chance Doesn't no no nope, that's fine the Sorry. album took on um look i'm just gonna throw all this in super quickly the album took on that album took on even more resonance for me when my mum passed away last year, but, uh, particularly the song Funeral, which if you've not heard it, um, I would encourage everyone to just stop listening to this right now and listen to that song immediately. Um, if mm. you fail to be moved by a song like Funeral, you have no soul. And I'm happy to go out on a limb and state that as a fact. Um, after my mum passed away, I listened to Funeral almost every day for six to seven months. Um, God. the point of this preamble is simply to say that I have a very close personal relationship to Bridges' previous music and sometimes it's enormously difficult to separate a professional opinion from a personal one mm. uh, and I'm just going to provide that context so I've been looking forward to Punisher this second album for months as you can imagine um but I think I think what I what I will preface pre preface this with is when an artist's previous work has had as much of an impact on you personally as Stranger in the Alps had on me, it's very difficult for anything else to live up to what you're already familiar with. So I just wanted to express that as a caveat to this review. Um, yeah. And maybe initially it's best to move over to you, Steve, and ask for your less biased opinion. Uh, well, I was going to say I we're spend... coming at. Yeah, before I spend 10 minutes wanging on about how fucking wonderful Phoebe Bridges is. <laughs> so we're coming at this at completely different angles because although I was familiar with the name, I don't think I was familiar with any of the work. Yeah. Um, having kind of looked at the album straight away before I got a chance to listen to it and seeing that like um, 
you know, Jenny Lee Lindberg from War Paints on the record. Connor O'Burst, aka Bright Eyes, is also um, on the record as well. I was like, oh, she's got some pretty yeah. fucking good people working alongside Lucy her. Lucy Daker, Lucy Daker, yeah. he's fucking wonderful. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, and um, so I was like, okay, well, I kind of felt like I knew what I was going to get, and to a certain extent, I think I do sort of get what I kind of thought I was going to get, which was a another sort of folky lo-fi ethereal singer songwriter record Mm. um that is what this is broadly um because i knew how much you loved her and i did know that that was kind of the other thing that i i I did know i think i expected to be absolutely blown away and i'm usually uh in fairly in agreement with with you in, in in what you say and how you feel about these artists I have to say, just as a complete upfront, as if you're reading the, you know, score out of five or whatever, like you see at the start of a magazine, I'm not completely in love with this record. Mm-hmm. I'm not completely um, convinced that it is as good as some of the other albums that we've done that could be sort of broadly put under this umbrella, the Agnes O'Bells. Mm-hmm. or the the Hillary Woods of this world. I'm not quite sure that it's of that standard personally. But there are some moments on here that are fucking exceptional, definitely. Mm-hmm. But as a record in its entirety, I think it's good. Mm-hmm. Okay. Not great. Uh, I'm going to spend a few minutes trying to convince you. Do you mind? No, go on. Okay. Uh, where should we start? Halloween is... Yeah, Halloween's amazing, yeah. Oh, beautiful. Uh, incredible storytelling. Um, the manner in which she writes lyrics is just... The manner in which she says so much and so little is... Phoebe Bridges is constantly described as being mature beyond her years. I think a lot of people pick up on the fact that... I mean, when she released Stranger in the Alps, she was 22. She's 25 yeah. now. And in terms of, like, the mature... You know, it's a backhanded compliment in a sense in that you're sort of saying, well, you can't be that mature at that age. But but at the same time, I understand why people say that of her. Um, the first verse and chorus for Halloween, I hate living by the hospital. The sirens go all night. Used to joke that if they woke you up, somebody better be dying. Sick of the questions I keep asking you. They make you live in the past, but I can count on you to tell me the truth when you've been drinking and you're wearing a mask. Baby, it's Halloween. We can be anything. Come on, man. We can be anything. Just taking that kind of idea of Halloween masks being something that you're not when you wear a mask and applying it to drinking. I mean, there's so fucking much going on there. Um, so yeah, many that layers. Really, that really jumps meanings. out. That really jumps out. The kind of the hospital um, line in particular at the start, of the, which is the opening of the entire song. Mm. I was like, oh, fucking hell, this is bleak. Yeah. Jesus. We um, get such a strong sense of who this person is. You know, mm. someone who's not afraid to make morbid jokes, for example. You know, her mm. personality shines through despite the incredibly understated delivery. I think that's another key thing. Um, well, there's loads of that song in particular is very minimalist, isn't it? It's got a kind of... With it when they use like the violins and they just pluck the kind of very, very top... Pizzicato. The, the stri- yeah, that. It's got a bit of that on it, hasn't it? Bit of pizzicato, yeah. Very, Which I I'm quite not sure like. I'm... It just makes shit sound creepy, I think. So it's mm, Absolutely. Um, sometimes she's capable of saying loads in just one line. I mean, from Chinese satellites, I want to believe. Instead, I look at the sky and I feel nothing. 
I mean, that, mm. that, that, that says more to me than some novels do. Um, or earlier in that song, drowning out the morning birds with the same three songs over and over. I wish I wrote it, but I didn't. So I learned the words hum along till the feeling's gone forever. Took a tour out to see the stars, but they weren't out tonight. It feels intimate, but also raw uh, at the same time. There's a string buzz um, from a not properly fretted guitar on Moonsong, for example, or the crack in her voice on I Know the End, which, spoiler alert, might be the best song of the year. Um, all of these mistakes are left in and the record is 10 times better for it, which is a lesson that a lot of musicians could do with learning, frankly. Um I think Graceland 2 has a beautiful country-esque vibe captured by like a fiddle. I think it's a fiddle and a banjo, I'm guessing. Um, Lucy Dacre is on that song as well, um, who's in a band with Phoebe Bridges, uh, Julian Baker and 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 called Boy Genius. Um, they've released an EP, which is probably the EP, probably the single thing that I listened to the most last year that didn't come out last year. Um, I know the end uh as i've already said possibly one of the best songs of the year is billed beautifully and quite unexpectedly one thing i will say about this record is uh it is relatively one paced until the end um and it is as if the entire album is building to this amazing crescendo We've had 10 tracks previously of pretty sparse instrumentation for the most part. There's little bits and pieces, little bells and whistles here and there. But then I know the end comes in and piano, strings, a choir of backing vocals, brass, screams, which is the last thing you expect to hear on this Yeah, yeah, record. she's crying and growling at the end mm. of the album just on her own, isn't she? I mean, that mm. song is amazing, it's by the way. It's a fucking amazing way to end the and album. And I, I think the thing is, is that it's so good to me, it does dwarf the rest of the record. I think there are good songs mm -hmm. on it, but there's nothing that's as good as that. It's basically doing a reversal of that thing that you you complain about metal bands doing, which is doing something really loud at the end of something really quiet rather than something really quiet at the end of something really loud. I think it's just built to that point so beautifully, though. I mean, if you... I, I, I'll be honest, the first time I listened to this record... Um, disappointed would be way too over the top. Way, 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 way too OTT. But um, there are many, 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 many subtleties to it that went totally over my head until my maybe third, fourth listen. Um, and I think it is a record that reveals itself to you slowly. And I certainly on the first listen did kind of think, well, there's eight or nine, you know, really nice songs. And then the last two tracks are just fucking incredible but then having heard it more and more and more i think the build to those tracks is actually part of what makes those last two songs incredible um i'm not sure if i know the end if you just listen to it um out of context of the record well it's not i'm not sure it would not have the same impact that it does um so in a way i actually think it's an incredibly well crafted and and mature record in that sense it's just yeah, it's just on initial listening, it can feel a little bit, uh, I, I suppose, disappointment definitely isn't the word, but there was a sense of, is this it on my first listen? Maybe because I've been looking forward to it so much and also how much I adore Stranger in the Alps. Mm. Um, but uh, now that I've listened to it a bit more, I actually get it and think that that's exactly how it should be. Um, I, guess, I guess there is a bias here for me. Um, I mean, for my money... Um, you mentioned Hilary Woods and Agnes Obel. I think this is uh, vastly superior to both of the records that 
those two artists released this year. But it is a subtle record and it takes it takes time to fully appreciate its brilliance, I think. Um, are there moments on it that you don't like? No, not really, but there are moments on it which... Well, I, okay, yeah, maybe. Um, the That fucking vocoder thing, when we slagged it off in the 1975, do it, have to slag it off here. That Bon Iver folky vocoder thing on punisher mm -hmm. on the type on you know is is not something which i think will ever sound good again it's beginning <laughs> to, I'll, I'll confess it's getting beginning to get a little boring the vocoder thing um yeah, it's quite zeitgeisty at the moment yeah um i really love i thought the kind of the i mean weirdly considering it is only like one minute dvd menu the first sort of intro into it grabbed me so instantly and i yeah. thought the kind of the opening to the record garden songs really nice and then kyoto which is um or kyoto i believe it's called kyoto. which is the the japanese town um city, city. I think. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah I think village it's city. <laughs> um it's really cool and like they, those that kind of brass trumpet swell on that i think is brilliant um i mean you mentioned halloween which i think is wicked mm. i know the end is fucking great i mean those songs to me they stand out so much and so far above like graceland 2 is really good but yeah. nothing this is not i mean i think what i said last week about ghost this is similar to what i was saying last week about ghost poet in that the whole i understand it and you're happy to be in the mood in and around the mood of the record because it's such a such an interesting nice place to be mm. do you know what i mean it feels like a really it's not as sort of dark and threatening as Ghost Poet, although it does get quite dark at some point. I think lyrically it is. I don't think it is musically, but yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and um, yeah, I, so I think I'm, again, you know, I'm happy to spend, to be in the company of this record this yeah, yeah, yeah. For, for the entirety of it. And there's nothing that I would take out, but it's just when the songs, and to be fair, I know the end pops so much harder than anything else on the record. That you do just go, oh, you could have maybe start got to that point a little bit earlier and maybe pushed it even further. But I don't know if she could push it even further or if she wants to push it even further. Who knows? I don't know. It's pushed pretty far within the context yeah, of singer-songwriter stuff. And, and I mean, you know, I'm a bit of a sucker for records that build over a long, long, long period of time. Um, an absolute classic example of an album that does this is Parentheses by Sigaros. Um, probably not how it's pronounced, but it's just bloody, it's bloody Parentheses, isn't it? Um, an album that I don't think you've heard, um, nah. but it's eight tracks and but for it's basically one song, um, which just builds and builds and builds for about 70 minutes. Uh, and I suppose, because I'm a sucker for that sort of thing, to me, this album's only 40 minutes and I, I mean, I can eat this up for my breakfast kind of thing. But I guess if you're not, if you're less accustomed to that, I can understand. Well, but... I, I mean, when I say you could have got there earlier, she could have got there and then carried on. I would have liked to have heard that, her run with that for a little bit longer. I mean, mm. like I say, I think the entire, you know, until that point, I was like, yeah, I feel like I know what this is and that's great. But then that comes in, you go, oh, you can do that as well. That's fucking mm. amazing. Mm. Like, Wow go a bit further, do it more. Like, you know, that exactly what we were saying about Lamb of God from Strum and Drang, like do more of that, go further. If, you, if you're if you going to do it, go further. And I would like, you know, I would like to think again that on her third record, maybe she gets to that point halfway through the record. And if it has to be an hour long, 
so be it. Mm. Maybe she will. Who knows? Um, I, uh, I mean, I. There's nothing on Stranger in the Alps which sounds vaguely like I know the end. I think that's the key difference. I know you're not comparing this to Lamb of God here, um, and I know you're not making this comparison. But but what I would say the difference with the comparison there is this is Phoebe Bridges' second record. Um, she's still, you know, probably got her best material ahead of her. Whereas, yeah. you know, <laughs> that's not the case with Lamb God. Um, but um, I understand what you're saying. And I definitely, certainly on the first listen, as you said, songs like Halloween, Graceland 2, I Know the Ends, they definitely stood out. And I think, I mean, it would be hideously unprofessional if we were to do this. But if we were to review this album on one listen alone, um, I probably would have said, well, yeah, it's a very patchy record and it's very up and down, yada, yada, yada. But the more I've listened to it, the more I realise, I, I actually don't think that at all anymore. I think it's actually really solidly great throughout. Um, and the songs which are more subtle um, just really came through for me the more I listened to it. And um, I like this. I like this an awful lot, an awful lot. Um I don't know if I'm ever going to like a Phoebe Bridges album as much as I like Stranger in the Alps because of the aforementioned personal reasons that I described at the top of this review. Yeah. But I do think this is an excellent follow-up and I like it so... In, in many ways, I like it so much more than I thought I'd be even capable of liking it considering her previous work, if that makes sense. Um, I'm happy as a Phoebe Bridges fan, personally. Um I would implore you to go back to, if not the entire record, at least listen to Funeral and uh, try not to cry because you won't manage to. <laughs> it's absolutely okay. heartbreaking. Well, that sounds fun. Mm. I'll definitely do that. <laughs> um, yeah, dude, this is quite. This is pretty good. Like I say, I'm not going to sit here and go, it's my favourite, but it's mm -hmm. definitely, um, it's definitely good. It's definitely good. And she seems like she's doing very well for herself. So well done to her. So um, that is Punisher, the new album from Phoebe Bridges. And it is out now. Um, Protest of Hero are next. Palimp Palimpsest. That's the yeah. name of the record. Yeah, I'm going to struggle with that as well. <laughs> Who fucking knows? Anyway, it's the follow-up to 2016's Pacific Myth, the fifth album from the Canadian tech metal originators. Are they originators? I'm not the really sure. Mm, well, I think Between the Buried and Me had a bit... Well, I don't think Between the Buried and Me are originators either. I mean... No, I was about to say, you get, you get more than one, don't you, to be kind of influential. Yeah, true. In well, the, the originators are a Meshuggah, aren't they? Uh, yeah, Sixth, Dillinger. Well, Meshuggah, Meshuggah came out with Contradictions Collapse 92. Yeah. I mean, no one, no, one, no one paid to paid attention to it at the time, but, you know, I no. mean, Meshuggah are responsible for it, aren't they? minor point pacific myth is an ep um because this is actually their the band's first full-length album since 2013's volition um they've yeah. had a few bits and they've had a few issues few bits and pieces um behind the scenes the band started the production process of their upcoming album which is this one that we're talking about in january 2018 but after vocalist Roddy Walker experienced some issues with his voice during the Fortress 10th anniversary tour in June 2018, the band released a statement revealing that they were postponing the new record. During this time, the band continued work on the upcoming record. And after vocalist Roddy Walker successfully recovered from vocal issues, they were able to complete their full length follow up to 2013's volition titled Palimpsest. That's mm. what I'm going with. 
So uh, you sound like you know more about protests here than me, Renfrey, I guess. I never really went big. Well, I never went never really went that big. I never went big on protest hero at all. Um, oh, right. Oh, that they were, somewhat surprises me. Okay. They were wacky, weren't they? I always thought they were a bit wacky. Yeah. Uh, Roddy Walker seems like a very nice and a very funny guy. In fact, I've interviewed him a few times and I can confirm he is that. He is that. He is very nice and he is um, quite funny as well. But um, Canadian, aren't they? Yeah. His voice can be a little grating to a lot of people. Mm. There's no escaping that. Um, yeah. There's a, point, there's a Claudio Sanchez-ness to it, isn't there? Which I think mm. um, uh, Coheed and uh, Pro- Protest the Hero are both bands that um, I really have to be in the mood to listen to. Um, uh, I like both of those bands a lot, um, but if if I put on a Coheed record and I'm really not in the mood, it will sound like utter anathema to me not the band um but yeah uh you know they're their greatest hits utter <laughs> anathema the very best of anathema <laughs> but, but if i put on coheed and i'm in the mood for it then i'm like this is fucking brilliant so yeah it, it's one of those bands for me personally um what mm. do you feel about roddy walker's voice personally uh it doesn't i don't hate the band because of it mm. but I, I i don't i can't pretend like i like it i can understand why it would grate on people yeah, it yeah. depends. On, it depends on my mood, really. I mean, you know, it's a funny time to be one of these bands, I reckon, because it never really, you know, with the, with, I guess, with the exception of Periphery, none of them ever really reached the heights which we thought they might in sort of 2010, when this is being touted as the next big scene, the kind of gent tech thing that was happening and so many bands were kind of thrown into the mix from... i don't think tesseracts are that far off just to throw that tesseracts aren't that far off periphery are they mm, i think they probably I, <laughs> I, I, not in terms of how good the music they made is but i think if you ask tesseract how f- much money they make in comparison with periphery oh I okay they, uh, and how many records that, and how many you know they, uh, you, you see periphery on like rock on the range and stuff quite yeah. high up on those bills in amongst sort of five figure death punch and Godsmack and stuff. You don't really see Tesseract doing that. Okay. As much do you? Um, I think there's, there's periphery and then there's a pretty big old drop off. Um, okay. And Tesseract probably are the next one down. Mm. Um, uh, and, and we've spoken about this type of thing quite a lot recently regarding bear who we thought were very good mm. and regarding the Hirsch effect who we thought we who we thought were really really fucking good um it, it, it's quite telling that n- nobody seems to have t- other than us seems to have turned around and said much about either of those albums really uh because this just isn't getting people excited anymore this type of music is it no and i can see why frankly um mm. it's um it's uh well i mean i <laughs> i think i think mine a dear point with this stuff was sort of going to Euroblast last year and just seeing three days of this stuff over and over again i was like i never le- need to listen to a tech metal band ever again in my life um hence why when we bring one in we're usually pretty positive about it. I mean, we were positive about Bear. We were very positive about the Hirsch effect. Um, we also were very positive about the Periphery album that came out last year, which we really reviewed because they were big, but it just happened that, um, which is sort of why we've reviewed Protest the Hero. And I think 
to give protest a hero their dues as someone who is not a fan and who when we said we were going to be reviewing them i all i went was okay like i wasn't excited about this record at all not at all hmm. i think there's some pretty in- interesting stuff here and it doesn't feel to me like this is just like i was like oh god another one of these bands doing the same fucking thing again mm. it's not really true of this record no it's not and 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 i'll i'll, I'll say as well yeah i put protest the hero in because i was like well we've got to review it they're a big band it's been a while since they've released a record it's important um but i wasn't super 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 excited about it um i was very pleasantly surprised upon listening to it generally i think this is a pretty decent record i'm not mega fay with their entire discography although i think i've heard all of their records at one point or another um but the one i'm most familiar with is scurrilous from 2011 uh just simply because i own it um and i don't own the other ones and um i will say this i think this is head and shoulders above that record personally as scurrilous was pretty well received at the time Mm. but then that was 2011 when this scene was fresh and exciting and new and yeah yeah. um Mm. and unfortunately i don't imagine that this record will garner the same sort of reaction even though it's much better in my opinion much much better i think it's much better because it's more uh is, is is very and and i'm protest the heroes back catalog as a whole i would argue is there's an awful lot of my goodness me you can play a lot of notes but can you yeah. actually turn that into a song um and protest the hero have, haven't always been great at that if i'm totally honest um there are quite a few times in their discography where you're like all right guys we know you can play you know but i think they've done a really good job at actually making these songs um and also giving some sort of emotional impact um that's the other thing that tech metal rarely does because it's metal primarily for the head rather than the heart it doesn't often bar the feeling of like wow they can really play um it doesn't really give you much of an emotional connection or push or pull or anything like that um but i don't think that's strictly true for this record i think from the sky's closing moments shows enough restraint uh, at playing a million notes a minute for a few seconds and they actually write a part that provides some genuine emotional resonance i really um, like from the sky i think, I think from it's the great. Sky is six minutes long it's got a massive chorus and it's got mm. a really sweeping string part to it i mean mm. it, it's it's great uh, that was mm. the first point on the record where i was like hmm this is actually this might not be uh, too much of a slog mm. i don't think it is a slog at no all, i record. don't think, I think it, no i think it actually considering you know it's uh, it's pretty much it's got to be the longest record that we do this week it's 13 tracks long um some of them are like um there's one two three four four of those 13 tracks tip over the five minute mark in fact actually that's more than that because one of them six so one two three oh no it's four yeah four of those tracks are over five minutes long and most tracks on it are at least four and a half nearly five minutes long so it's quite a long record but it doesn't doesn't out never got, welcome does it It doesn't i never got bored actually i mean yeah. there's there's a piano and string interlude 
called Harborside, which is really nice. I mean, yeah. another band just really early on in the album, just whacking a load of orchestral music. And at the start of their album, like the 1975 and then Shikari did just like plonk. There's <laughs> some into orchestral interlude for no reason. But at least when the next song, All Hands, comes in, it gives it a bit of excitement from the immediate aftermath because it does feel like they're linked it's actually a really yes. cool song and you can't say that about those other two bands you can't say that about the 1975 or rent shikari like the kind of it, that happens and then it stops and then they play a song whereas i agree actually protest yeah. the hero actually managed to kind of interweave yes. that part into something else so when it started i was like fucking hell you're doing an orchestral interlude like every other fucking over the top shitty band are doing mm, at the moment mm. and they they didn't do that so you know there's there's three interludes on this record and i think they're all relatively essential to the album yeah and that's pretty yeah, yeah, rare yeah. <laughs> that's pretty rare i think there's also moments on this record where they manage to have their cake and eat it um by yeah. having highly technical passages without ever losing sight of the fact that it's meant to retain enough restraint to not be a big fat whittle fest and concentrate on actually being a song the fire rivery Oh, ah, Reverie. Mm. Yeah, 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 yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. Um, widdly, widdly guitar. Loads of like diddly, diddly, bam, bam, mm. diddly, underneath it. And you go, yeah, still a good song though. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. And that is all the way through. That whole yeah. thing goes on and on and on and on. But it's still good. Still really good. It's the thing that I personally think Arcane Roots were so adept at doing. Being mm. super, super technical, but never losing sight of actually writing a song. You know, Um there are moments where this album gets maybe a little too, I'm going to say too playful rather than too wacky for my tastes. Go on. Uh, Soliloquy, for example, is a bit, uh, I don't know. I think it comes down to Walker's vocal delivery. Sometimes it's a tad too cheesy cock rock for my taste. That's funny. Yes. There's a song in it called Little Snakes and I was like, this is like fucking Van Halen, the start of it. Mm. It's proper like Sunset Strip you know glam metal which i don't well, i don't want that yeah definitely don't want that but to be fair to it it doesn't at last that long and also bits. and also i don't think either of us could say that those bits are quote unquote bad i just don't think they're to either of our tastes as well yeah, i think there's definitely true plenty of people who will lap that stuff up so um uh so yeah i would never actually say they're bad i mean Overall, as I say, I'm not massively au fait with the entire discography, um, but this is easily my favourite Protest the Hero album of the ones that I've heard and know really, really well. Um, and it has actually made me go, I really probably should go back and investigate more Protest the Hero stuff properly. Part of me kind of knows slash feels that it won't be as good as this because I think they have actually got to a point now in their career where they are managing to make these technical songs digestible in a, in a bite-sized sense. I mean, some people will, you know, not like that, but they tend to be guitar nerds um, who oh, fine, There's some exhausting people in that scene. They're very, very, very exhausting people. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, the fact is, and this is a fact, objectively, that is better and it's harder to do than just whittle, whittle, whittle. So, yeah, um, mm. uh, yeah, I, I, I think this is a I think this is a really good record overall. I like it. I'm I'm definitely going to return to it when I get time. 
I, I, I mean, there's a song in it. Uh, my favourite is called is Gardinias, which is basically ah. the heavy. It's the heaviest one. I mean, yeah. having said all that, when they do the one that sounds most like sixth is still my favourite one on the record. <laughs> so you know, um, but yeah, I, I like the the album overall. I mean, it's a high six out of ten for me. I'm not probably not going to go back to it. Oh, what, I think this seven? is an eight. Really? Okay. Mm. Yeah, I, I mean, uh, you obviously like it a lot more than me. I still think, you know, a six out of 10 is above average and a high six. Maybe I'd go, yeah, I'd probably pump for a seven, actually. Six maybe is a little bit, oh, I'd give it, uh, this is a seven out of 10. I think it's pretty good. I Lamb think of most God's, of it Lamb is of good. God's a six. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I do actually think this is better than Lamb of God's. Oh, yeah. Hmm. Yeah, you're right. Undoubtedly. Okay. Yeah. Not that we give scores on here, but I no, mean, I just we did. Don't. So you know go on write a letter to your bloody local mp see where that'll get you uh, uh i mean it might do it might get us somewhere if people were bothered to do it uh but i'm talking more on social issues rather than music scoring here <laughs> yeah so you could probably do better things with that letter i reckon than <sighs> anyway what are we talking about i don't know really um anyway Protest the Heroes' new album is called, oh God, I don't even know what, how to say it, Palimplist. Palimpsist. Uh, Palimpsist. Palimpsist. Yeah, and it's it's pretty good. I don't really know much about Protest the Hero other than I've heard, I've seen them live a bunch of times. I've heard bits and bobs from throughout their career and it's never made me go, oh, I should go and listen to Protest the Hero. And with all honesty in my heart, I very much doubt I will return to this album okay really okay. but i can see that it's quite good i got you know to be honest when there's periphery when periphery do exist why why would you listen to protest hero i don't think this album is as good as that periphery album i mean i would say this is closer the thing this is closest to is between the buried and me by the fucking and Lionel. again again when you've got between the buried and me agreed one thing i will say though uh, is if you are not a fan of harsh, screamy vocals, but you like the cut of Between the Perry and Me's jib, um, Protest the Hero isn't a bad one to go to because they very rarely go for the screams. Um, yeah, that's true. So so that's actually kind of, you know, if, if you are that person, I, 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 I don't know if many of those people exist, to be honest, but if, if you are, Protest the Hero are the band for you. Um, but uh, yeah. Yeah, I don't mm. think they're. I don't think they're as. I mean, I don't think Protest the Hero have ever done anything anywhere near Colors, for example, or, no. or e even the Great Misdirect. Um, but then Between the Buried and Me, no, that's rubbish. I was about to say Between the Buried and Me haven't done anything good for quite a while, but those Automata EPs were fucking. Yeah, they're really good. They? Yeah, really so good. so no, scrub that from the record. Um, yeah, I, I, I making think people want to listen to this even less and less and less <laughs> with every word, every syllable that exits your face. You should um, listen anyway. to it. It's quite good. Anyway, yeah, it's pretty good. It's pretty good. Um, all right, let's do our last album. Speaking of <laughs> bands that were made for people, Korokey. This is a self-titled uh, debut album from Joe Lally and Ian Mackay from a band called Fugazi, oh, uh, as well as as well as drummer Amy Farina. It's half of Fugazi. Ten out of ten um, <laughs> from me. <laughs> ten out of ten straight away. <laughs> That's it. That's my review. It's um, it's very argument era Fugazi vibe. This isn't it isn't it mm. um yes i mean i've got to say putting this on and hearing joe's bass and hearing a kind of still angry ian mckay and hearing mm. them kind of 
still doing that thing that I love so much from the argument and, and it feeling so great to this day. Because this is a, like, I was playing around with a 10 out of 10, but I've, I think this album is fucking really good. I it's really, great. really good. And I've got to be honest here, like as much as I love them guys, I think Farina is the star here, to be honest. She's got oh. some wicked, wicked drum parts. Some of the rhythmic things she does with the drums that accentuate uh, Joe Lally's bass is brilliant. Um, is it her doing the backing vocals as well? There's some female well, backing vocals. Yeah, like yeah. not even backing sometimes. Sometimes well, she's yeah. right out front. Yeah. Um, she's got a bit of a Patti Smith vibe to her as well. I mean, mm -hmm. give a listen to a song like the kind of the, cla I've called it Clack and Croon. There's a song called She Diddly Bop, which is fucking wicked. And she's got this kind of, she clacks and, cl and croons at the same time. And it's, <laughs> and it's really good, man. It's just really, really good, this record. Yeah. I, I like don't have it. a lot more to say about it than that, other than, you know, it sounds like the argument, but with some different, with a different drummer and some female backing vocals on it. Well, it's really nice to hear. It's really interesting to hear that, this sound you know we've compared it to the argument quite a lot the argument is 20 years old came out 2000 didn't it 2000 2001 yep. 2001 isn't it no 2000 it's, you're right it's 19 or 20 years old um and um what's wicked about fugazi is um whilst many bands have tried to imitate them they are so difficult to imitate that this still this sound still feels fresh because no one's really managed to do it uh to this quality um i like this album a lot i do think as it progresses it dawdles a little bit i like it dawdling though <laughs> i like how it sort of slows down because it starts quite it comes out the gate quite fast and then it gets more experimental and then it gets more sort of yeah. um loush and it gets looser and the ideas get more sort of jammed weird it was like yeah. a big jam weird jam session um not saying that i dislike the dawdling uh at all i still really really like it but i do i do think i prefer the first half to the second half i think is all i'm yeah. saying really but i still really That's, like the second yeah. half well i, I think the, the very last song last thing which is very very different to your usual post-punk yes. fair um 2001 was the argument by the way um not Thank 2000 you. um I did say that, didn't I? Uh, but anyway, it's just really cool. It's just really cool to hear um, a, a band of musicians with the quality of members of Fugazi locked in like that. Mm. That's a tr that's a treat to me mm. to hear oh. those people just. Uh, I, I mean, this this album sounds like there are points in the second half of this album where it's like I feel like they've just pressed record and are just jamming. Yeah. And while some people might hear me say that and go, that sounds fucking boring and fucking <laughs> awful. Um, not when it, it's these musicians, it's not. No, no, no. When it's the, you know, half of Fugazi, mm. it's yeah. fucking great. <laughs> yeah. I mean, to be honest, I don't really have much more to say about it. It is a continuation of that thing. And I kind of have such a great segue into Broken Records. So I'm going to let you finish up and then I'm going to do that and then we'll move on. I was going to ask you a question. I hope that doesn't fuck up your segue. Nope. Um, it's a moot point because this isn't the new Fugazi record. If this were the comeback Fugazi record, would you be, uh, would you be happy with it being the comeback Fugazi record? Would you be disappointed? As I say, it is a moot point, but just, I'm just curious. 
Uh, it's a good question. Um, I probably, due to the absolutely sky-high standards that I have set in my mind for Fugazi, I think they're probably the most consistent. They have the most consistent and interesting back catalogue probably of any band in history. They never made um, a bad record. They never They never made a... <laughs> they never made anything close to being an eight an eight out of ten would be a bad record for fugazi if if they had an eight out of ten and they don't the worst um, thing they did was the instrument soundtrack and it's fucking mm, brilliant and the instrument yeah. soundtrack is basically it's really it's kind of a b-sides collection in a way well it's it's very jammy a bit like this yeah. is quite jammy yeah but know? instruments still fucking great mm. i mean and you don't even necessarily have to count that as a proper Fugazi no, studio album. No, exactly. Uh, and you're still talking about something very, very good indeed. So I think if it came back like this, I would probably have to try and temper my expectations far more than I yeah. had to do with this record, even though I was quite like, oh, yeah, great. Um, uh, I mean, I've listened to other things that Ian Mackay has done over the years. I mean, obviously, Amy is for me Ian's other band, The Evens, who are pretty good. Um but it's another thing, I guess. Koraki is another thing that can never really live up to the Fugazi name. And mm. I don't think anything could. And if this came out and it was the new Fugazi album, I'd sort of, half of me would be like, well, I kind of, it makes sense. Mm -hmm. And it would make sense on their Spotify to go from the argument into this record yep. because the sound sounds similar. But part of me would go, well, probably want you to continue that because they changed quite radically with every record and they changed, yep. you know, uh, like over a period of maybe two or three years with each record, they changed quite considerably Fugazi. Uh, giving it 19 years in between, you'd expect them to have changed even more. But then uh, maybe you can't expect that from bands if that's why we all kind of, or I say we all, why I got grumpy with At The Driving and refused to come back because they set such high standards and they fell so low below them. Maybe if this had Fugazi on it, I'd go, oh man, it just sort of sounds a bit like the instrument. But I think I'd probably rather have this than have either of those other two bands. Anything that either of those other bands have released since their comeback. Um, that's quite a long-winded way of saying I don't know. No, that's fair. Um, that's fair. I think I... I think I would have been relatively happy overall. Um... If, if it had been, uh, as I say, it is a moot point, but um, I, I, but worth mentioning just because, yeah, we both fucking adore Fugazi. And um, I think it is worth saying that if this were the next Fugazi record, I don't I don't think I would consider it a disappointment. Um, it wouldn't be one of my favorite Fugazi records if it were a Fugazi record. But, I, you know, it's fucking great. Um, I do just want to make one quick aside um, whilst doing bits and pieces of research for this record i came across a brilliant album called steady gaze of nothing a reverence to fugazi and it is um shoegaze versions of fugazi songs which is by who right up my street by a plethora of bands most of whom um and i don't mean this disparagingly but you probably won't have heard of um although there are a, a few uh soft wounds evolves sunshine and the rain the one twos uh come in it's one of the bands <laughs> it's a lot of come today um petal head a, a lot of bands who who are probably only massive in that shoegaze scene um but shoegaze and fugar i mean spoiler alert it's fucking great we're not reviewing it but just just a hint you should probably check that out as well and you Did, can download it for what? free from Bandcamp. 
what's the album called? It's called Steady Gaze of Nothing, A Reverence to Fugazi. Yeah, they missed the trick there by not calling it Shoegazy, have they? <laughs> Although yeah. that really doesn't fit the general aesthetic of Fugazi. <laughs> but um, yeah, just to kind of close up. Um, yeah, that sounds good. I'm going to have a listen to that. That sounds yeah, very great. Yeah, great. I'll send um, you a link. But I think, like for me, is it, would it be the best Fugazi album? No, you know, no. is it better than Fugazi? But albums like this are what happens when musicians always do your own thing. Like you rightly said, it still sounds really cool and fresh and um, and current today because they never followed any musical trends and they just kind of did their own thing. And when you do that, it kind of makes you sound timeless. And this, you know, obviously with its connection to Fugazi, it does exactly that. It hasn't yeah. jumped on any bandwagons. Ergo, it kind of sounds timeless. Unlike... Broken records. Let's move on to <laughs> Methods of Mayhem. What that, that Very good. is a perfect segue. <laughs> um, this week, we um, continue our search for the worst album ever made. I will do the rundown, which is getting, it's getting quite long now, the old rundown. Mm. But I will do the rundown from the bottom, or from the top to the bottom, I should say. Uh, Bob Dylan's self-portrait, Lou Reed's Metal Machine Music, Liz Fair's self-titled, Lauren Hill's MTV 2.0 Unplugged, Bush's Black and White Rainbows, The Enemy Streets in the Sky, Dirty Vegas' One, Viva Brothers' Famous First Words, Louis XIV's Slick Dogs and Ponies, Queen and Paul Rogers' The Cosmos Rocks, Richard Ashcross' The United Nations of Sound, Eoghan Quigg's self-titled debut album, soon to be on tour with Leached, um, and Six Feet Under's Graveyard Classics Volume 2 are all... Uh, being propped up by what we consider to be the worst album of these terrible albums so far, Blood, Sweat and Towers by the Towers of London. But to be added into that pantheon of shit, actually some of them are quite good. I mean, particularly when you, like when you get up to the upper echelons, yeah, some pretty good music, some pretty good songs, some pretty good music in there. Um, the self-titled debut album from Methods of Mayhem, released on the 7th of December 1999, uh, <laughs> enough to make you wish that the Y2K bug was real. This is the, <laughs> the debut album from Tommy Lee from Motley Crue doing new metal. Now, Renfrey, um, we've actually not had, this is the first sort of entry for new metal and all of its various crimes. Um, that we've we've had to talk about in uh, in broken records so far, and I think you and I, on the podcast in general, have spoken enough about new metal for people to know that come nineteen ninety nine, I mean certainly I was sick to the back fucking teeth of this stuff mm. by nineteen ninety nine, and these are the sort of albums where you go, and that's why, mm. right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, so, I think I think one thing I will say, I mean, I know this is not a hip hop record, but I just wanted to say this. I think that all that hard judicious work that you've done over the past couple of years trying to get me into hip hop has all been undone in one fell thirty six minute swoop. <laughs> <laughs> maybe. Maybe. Um oh, I mean God. and I can sort of understand it if it has to be honest. I mean, <laughs> uh, so let's let's get into the context of this record. In the late nineties Tommy Lee was a big deal. Um, but his band, Motley Crue, 
were not. Uh, Lee was married to the 90s most famous lady, Pamela Anderson. And the home movie that the two of them made enjoying themselves on a boat (laughs) (laughs) had had become a genuine meme in an era when that was not really a thing. Well, memes didn't exist. yeah. Yeah, a proper viral thing. Let's not fuck about here. Tommy Lee was a superstar. It's a shame that he was sat on the drum stool of a rapidly aging, flabby load of old shite like Motley Crue, as opposed to a young, skinny load of old shite like Motley Crue. Um, So in 1999, um, after the pathetic Generation Swine, Mm. which I believe might be in that hat somewhere. So we might be able to double up on Tommy Lee (laughs) at some point. Can't Um, wait. Uh, Lee quit Motley Crue to pursue a solo career um, due to increasing tensions with Motley Crue singer Vince Neil. He First of Tommy... ter- terrible phonetics fame. <laughs> First Tommy <laughs> Lee giveth, then Tommy Lee taketh away, I would say, regarding that. Uh, yeah. Yes. Yeah, so um, Vince Neil has said at the time, all we got was a call from his attorney saying that he wasn't coming back. He wasn't into rock and roll anymore. He even said that rock is dead. Oh, no. No one said that at that time. No one was saying that. What a bizarre (laughs) thing to say. Billy Corgan, Um, Marilyn Manson, uh, fucking who else? Everyone. Um, Everyone. It it all happened during a void in Motley. We weren't even rehearsing, so it was no big deal. Quite. Um, Tommy Lee solo, though. Uh, uh, The glam rock Phil Collins. I mean, what, what, what? What? What could people possibly have been expecting from, you know, the Ringo star of the Sunset Strip? Like, what could people possibly have been expecting from a solo Tommy Lee record? I mean, as I say that, even knowing what this ends up being, trying to cast my mind back to 1999 and thinking about the idea of Tommy Lee, the drummer in Motley Crue, doing a solo record... Renfrey, can you think of anything more worthless, artistically moribund than that? Uh, I'm trying. I'm trying to actually. <laughs> I'm trying to actually think of anything more artistically moribund than that. Um, no, it's like a Bernard man in skateboarding video. <laughs> you know <what> I mean? <laughs> like. I mean, the who, opening song on this. That for? The opening song on this record is called "Who the Hell Cares," which might be a direct reference to this entire project. I'm not sure. Well, well, um, people reference that a lot. I mean, although maybe maybe I'm being facetious because this album did go gold after all. Yeah, which is sales of over five hundred thousand copies, which is a sad thing. Um, I mean, but, whatever you thought a Tommy Lee solo album was going to be, I can't believe you would have thought that it was going to be this. I mean. No. In, instead of whatever, if you thought it was going to be some kind of cheesy, ballady, glam rock album, whatever, instead, what we rather naively thought was the height of new metal. Uh, Tommy Lee ho- hooked up with a guy called Tilo, uh, who, who looks a bit like a sort of pineapple. Um, um, Tommy, Lee and Paran- <laughs> Tommy Lee and Paran got divorced in 1998 and under the misguided idea that he was the one that people actually cared about in that couple, he decided to push on with Tilo and form Met- Methods of Mayhem. Now, this is... Actually, Methods of Mayhem was um, uh, uh, formed on the eve of their divorce, I believe. 
So mm. by that account, you could um, say that this Methods of Mayhem record is a breakup record. Um, Makes me want to break up a lot of things. Isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> it's um, interesting how we spoke about Glass Jaws, everything you ever wanted to know about silence, isn't it? And how that's a breakup record. And yeah. uh, it came out the same year. No, sorry, yeah, this was a year enough. previous. Uh, yeah, so um, everything you ever wanted to know about silence came out in May 2000. Um, yeah. It's interesting how that record gets the flack that it sometimes does and this one doesn't also as a brief aside it's interesting how i don't know say james gunn gets a lot of flack for saying something admittedly fucking stupid 10 years ago um but vince neal um people don't go back and say oh actually he should be in prison for manslaughter um it's almost as if the people who do that um have absolutely no sense of moralistic uh impunity whatsoever isn't it yeah it's pretty weird that mm. um so but very very typical of this society mm. although we've got to go back because this is peak new metal mm. methods of mayhem is peak new metal almost i almost like with all this there's a lot of very very good bands from new metal that we've spoken about before but i almost feel like methods of mayhem are one of the definitive bands of new metal because we'd already had a vanilla rice doing his album with ross robinson mm. um significant other came out this year and roped in pretty much every other musician in the world yeah, uh, we were yet no. we were yet to see um the bloke from boyzone doing his um rage it's machine inspired band that was to come later but um but slipknot had also come out this year and kind of gone some way to what i thought was going to be helping the sort of eradication and destruction of new metal naively I genuinely believe that. And it obviously took a few years. Um, but I think, there's, I think there's a point. I think there's some truth to that though. Yeah. It, it's, it's just, more it just takes, really, yeah, it just yeah. takes, it takes longer, you know, I mean, this record would probably have been recorded by the time Slipknot came out. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, so, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, but so uh, new metal and glam rock, it's not w that weird when you really sit down and think about it. They're kind of spiritual brothers in many ways, I feel, those two scenes. Yeah, because spiritual they're both... brothers in misogyny. <laughs> yeah, and dressing like a twat yes. and looking like a twat and yeah. acting like a twat. Yeah. And, you know, lot, the, lot the, the, the second and third generations of your bands were increasingly more appalling and more appalling and more appalling as it, and it got more and more ridiculous the longer it went on and yes like you say there's some very fucking dodgy lyrical content and ideas from a lot of these bands um so anyway so uh tommy lee roped in the likes of snoop dogg fred durst kid rock little kim miss mixmaster mike uh the uh the crystal method george clinton george clinton the godfather george of funk. clinton what are you and doing even Stephen Perkins from Jane's Addiction to play live on the mm. tour. I mean, what the fuck did he have on these people? <laughs> He's got on these people what Dominic Cummings has got on Boris Johnson. <laughs> Whatever that thing that has made Boris Johnson go, oh, no, 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 he's, he's fine, is, is, is what Tommy Lee has on. Like, he's got a video of George Clinton smoking a baby's bones or something. Like, <laughs> how did he agree to do this i don't understand but anyway um i mean i i remember hearing this album the, the sort of build up to this album and, and obviously kind of post slipknot i thought it's going to be fucking diabolical but you know what renfrey the weird thing about this record is is the reviews from the time do not agree with me mm. at all 
Mm. Um, Agree with us. Go... Let's make that super clear. Us. Agree with us. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Entertainment Weekly said most of this rap metal is surprisingly legit and cameos from Lil' Kim, Fred Durst and Kid Rock don't hurt. B, Q Magazine, three out of five stars. Big, thumping, sweary, contemporary noise. Lee is entirely, entirely serious. He has the group's name tattooed on his ass cheeks, as if that makes the album better. He's entirely Alter- serious there, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. I heart Alter- mum. <laughs> yeah. Alternative <laughs> press, four out of five. Arm to the teeth with special guests, hopping between metal edge techno and radio-minded hard rock. The surprise, it ain't bad, and a few of these tunes are really good. CMJ, brass-knuckled, rhythmically dense rap rock, owing more to pop industrial music and Bomb Squad production than it does to Fred Durst, one of 1999's grittiest, most heartfelt rap rock albums. Vibe, combines heavy guitar riffs with insolent b-boy wordplay. As an exercise in funky, head-banging mayhem, it isn't half bad. Producer Scott Humphrey manages to mix up Tommy Lee's palette just enough to keep you tuned in. The NME, the NME... Six out of ten contains more than enough of the mysterious kick-ass factor successfully mixing hip-hop beats with some exceedingly heavy guitar, making his debut sonically far more superior to the awful Limp Biscuit. What? <laughs> what? Um, uh, I mean, fuck, I know you said before, we started recording. You have no dog in this fight between no. Biscuit and Methods of Mayhem, but I, I'd I rather mean, listen to Significant Other than this. Yeah, I mean, even on Amazon, even on Amazon, it's got a rating of four point five stars, and there was a five star review of this album from four years ago. Someone heard this in two thousand and sixteen and went, "This is great." My what is going dropped. on? What is going on, Remfrey? That's insane. What is going on now? Look, I know that. Metal Hammer savaged it. And I don't think Kerrang! were that keen on it either. Unfortunately, even though I've got a ton of magazines upstairs, I couldn't find the original Hammer or Kerrang! reviews. But I'm pretty sure that neither of them were positive. And I know that I saw some live reviews. They got a 1K live review in Kerrang! which I'll talk about in a little bit as well. It's funny, that, isn't it? The actual metal press that reviewed that um, thought it was shit. When publications who sneered at metal and sneered at new metal and, and said all of it was rubbish and were, had no interest in this type of music, actually thought it was all right. It's almost it, like they don't know what the fuck they're talking about. <laughs> it almost is like that, isn't it? Um, yeah, 100%. Um, the primary primary problem with this record, there's so many primary problems with this record. Um, this well, is Hold on, new- hold on, hold on to that because... Luckily, before we actually get into our, okay, I think we we're 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 hiding our response to what we think of the record quite well so far. So, um, luckily, I think I, I'm just rubbing my temples. I've been rubbing yeah. my temples this entire time because I'm I'm feeling like a migraine coming on just talking about this album. Yeah, I'm not I hiding mean, luckily, it very well. But luckily, the retrospective reviews have put this right a little bit. Um, AV Club reviewed it in 2002. Quite why they thought they wanted to review it in 2002, I don't know. But uh, they said, anybody even familiar with the genre, genre should know the drill on, on uh, Methods of Mayhem. Clunky guitars, half scream, half rap bellowing, plenty of big name cameos and virtually nothing resembling melody or maturity. As a rapper, Lee makes for a tremendous hard rock drummer. While partner Tito's sole qualification seems to be his ability to make Lee seem competent by comparison. 
Raging against tabloids, cops, and society in general, Methods of Mayhem has predictable, nondescript bile to spare. But bile can only take you so far. And with the exception of nimble terms from Snoop Dogg, Mixmaster Mike, and the Crystal Methods Scott Kirkland, that's just about all Methods of Mayhem has to offer. Uh, There was a one-star review from Sputnik Music in 2009, which said, Ladies and gentlemen, it just doesn't get any worse than this. To think that someone would ever listen to this, or review it for that matter, the actual humiliation lies in the artist's hands namely tommy lee and his gaggle of homeboy guest appearances not that this album was original to begin with but tommy's guest appearances seem to hog a good amount of the time on the disc making this feel like a compilation of trailer trash artists and less like the work of a washed up hair metal drummer pseudo rap unsalvageable new metal chords and dance club electronics are pretty much all that can be found here with little entertainment value unless you're either drunk high insane or all three to think <laughs> that music can dive this low would be absurd but tommy lee has found a way jigger jigger what um <laughs> Uh, I found also found a, a review in Variety about their live show, which says, while Lee may be a flashy and talented drummer, he's not a very good singer or rapper, and he's not much of a guitar player, despite his feeble attempts to prove otherwise on a Wednesday, the first of two L Ray dates. This is my hometown. I can't believe you aren't naked yet. He, re- he repeatedly remarked naked they were barely cheering lee was as enthusiastic as ever but the colorless music which sounded as if it had been quickly pasted together in an attempt to sound fresh and cutting edge came off as little more than mindless rock star indulgence um and before we get into it renfrey i think i did find one of my favorite reviews i've ever found going through the murky depths of the internet um there's a website called Fabrica. Never heard of it before, mm, but their reviewer, right. their reviewer gave it three out of four. <laughs> <laughs> right. Three Just out meant of to four. Be different. Yeah, Famously right. out of four seems like a good thing. <laughs> so he says, this album sounds conceited, extremely arrogant and shameless. Smiley face emoji. It melts every possible music genre from rock, techno, industrial to drum and bass and so on. Obviously got bored of naming (laughs) genres there. Playing as a hybrid between Fat of the Land by The Prodigy and Hellbilly Deluxe by Rob Zombie. Yeah, so different, those albums, aren't they? So different. Um, It's impossible to classify this album. Is it new metal, industrial rock, hip-hop rock, techno rock? You know what? Like Tommy Lee says... Who the hell cares? Tommy Lee with an alliance of first-rate artists, Scott Humphrey, Steve Duda, Danny Loner, Snop Duke. (laughs) (laughs) Not even joking. Snop Duke. Not Snoop Dogg. Snop Duke. Um, (laughs) Kid Rock. Mixmaster Mike. Declare war to the music world. I don't know who wins the battle, but one thing is certain: there are lots of injured. Powerful guitar riff. <laughs> powerful. <laughs> powerful guitar riffs. Since and beats heavy as bold as accompany the first song with the smirking. <laughs> Snop dog. <laughs> I can't spell Snoop Dogg's name right. He spelled it wrong both times. <laughs> Snop dog. Only one G this time. Oh, really? Um, Even I know this shit. That's ridiculous. The smirking snop dog voice, anger management. Not snip. I don't know if if snop dog and snop dog are the same guy. Um, Anger management. Maybe maybe snop dog is Snoop Dogg when he's really, 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 really high. Snop dog. Maybe. 
anger management and hypocritical are a wall of sound very aggressive naked get naked is fun and there aren't other words to describe it oh there are mate oh don't my god there are. <laughs> don't you worry about that we've got plenty um New Skin featuring Kid Rock reminds me of the electronic sound of Antichrist Superstar by Marilyn Manson, Whoa. then turned into a ballad. Tommy Lee didn't know, this is in brackets, open brackets, Tommy Lee didn't know that Pamela Anderson will marry Kid Rock in the future. Artists, be careful to bring your wife in the recording studio. <laughs> Proposition Fuck You is a purely hip-hop song with several similarities to Cypress Hill. Superstar and Crash continue the bombing with colossal driven guitars. Narcotic is a classic Kirkland song. And since in Italy, we usually say about gastronomy, gastronomy, don't throw away anything from the pig. Kirkland will recycle this song on the Crystal Method Tweekend album a few years later. The On Some Other Bitches is an interval they could do without. Spun is a techno stroke drum and bass outro that closes the album. The enhanced album also includes the Get Naked video and the making of. I don't know if Tommy Lee wrote a single note on the album or if it's all just samples and loops, but who the hell cares? Winking emoji. If you like Limp Bizkit and Rob Zombie, you'll love this album, but for all the others, it could easily be Great Surprise. Now, words, it says there, are by Marco Garibaldi. Proofreading by Scott M. Owens. Now, Marco's obviously, Marco's, we're going to let Marco's obviously writing in second language there. So, I, I mean, it doesn't yeah. save him for the fucking terrible taste he has, but let's go easy on him. Yeah, Scott, yeah. N, Scott M. Owens, proofreader. Now, I didn't genuinely didn't think I'd find someone involved in this whole debacle of Methods of Mayhem that was worse at something than Tommy Lee is at, worse at <laughs> rapping than. But here we have it. Scott M. Owens is worse at proofreading than Tommy Lee is at rapping. And that, if this was broken proofreaders, he'd go straight in at number one. <laughs> this is just and proof that shit attracts shit, isn't it? Th I mean, that unbelievably is the nicest thing I have to say about Methods of Mayhem, <laughs> is that you're better at that than this guy is at proofreading. Yeah. Renfrey. Yeah. Your thoughts on the self-titled album by Methods of Mayhem after that huge preamble that we've done? Uh, it's a musician who's desperately irrelevant, trying with all his might to appear relevant, uh, which is what makes the whole thing so fucking sad, really. Um, I am going to say one minor nice thing about this record uh, I'm only going to be, you know, I'm going to be fair just for a moment. I'm only, I'll only allow being fair to members of Motley Crue for one second and not a second more. But this is, this isn't a whole ton worse than a lot of the white boy rap metal that was coming out at the time. Is it? I mean, it is worse, but it's not, it's not like miles. There's, there was a lot. I mean, I'm not excusing it. I'm merely saying it's merely one nugget of shit in a massive steaming pile of turgid, fetid shit that was so well, yes. prevalent at the time. I mean, at some point, we're going to have to rank this between Crazy Town and Fieldy's Dreams. So oh, yeah. I, I, I get what you're saying. There's going to yes. be a fair few of these. This just happens to be the first, the first one. Yeah, new yeah, metal yeah. record that we've picked out. Um, Absolutely. So I guess that sort of has to be taken into account. But I mean... This is terrible. Oh, it's awful. This is terrible. I mean, it was never good in at first, but I mean, it's aged appallingly. Mm. It is it is so dated. I mean, I remember hearing Anger Management on a Metal Hammer cover mount CD 
and thinking it was kind of catchy, but ultimately just sort of hilariously bad. Mm. But all these years later, you just struggle to understand how people could be so seduced by the notion of celebrity. It's mad. Mm. And like you said, this went gold in the US. It mm. peaked at number 71 on the Billboard Top 200. Like, it should have been laughed out of the bloody... And, it, you know, it didn't take... lot Despite those reviews and despite it selling 500,000 copies, it must be one of those things where you go, like we were saying about Razorlight earlier, but obviously on a far smaller scale. Nobody liked this, did they? Surely... Let's put the gold sales into perspective as well, ever so slightly. Um, this achieved sales of 500 million. 500 million? <laughs> oh, God, what a world that would be. 500,000 um, at the absolute peak, more or less. I mean, the absolute peak was maybe a year or two later, but the peak of the music industry in terms of commercial, in terms of how many people were buying music. It was yeah. the absolute peak. Um you occasionally indulge me in my occasional series of um, Renfrey reads terrible, terrible lyrics in a uh, white boy manner. Um, I mean, there's no way I can resist with Get Naked. And that's a song that we're going oh, to no. talk about, obviously. Um, mm. Will you will you indulge me for a moment? Uh, are you going to say Mix Master Mike, make that pussy tight or <laughs> ride, ride the cock till you hit the spot? I to mean, be honest oh. with you, mate. I, I mean, I'm just going to go from the top. I'm, I'm not going to do Read the whole the thing, whole. obviously, right. but... Uh, okay. <clears throat> $77 million made from watching me come under the sun on my vacation after hours on SpectraVision shooting my jizzy jism. The woody has rizzy risen. I ain't getting paid to entertain your bridal showers rocking my porno tape for hours and hours. Yeah. Clitorises are fearing me. It's bigger than Ron Jeremy. Because it's them ass cheeks that make my ass weak. And I've been riding with the blue balls since last week. So if you ask me, I'll be glad to speak after we get butt naked and break it down nasty. Uh. <laughs> the little ganja ho from Tokyo who said she could blow $10 love me long time in the limo. But really don't. I'm just trying to fly with the flows. Freak up some hoes, blow up the shows, make a little dough as if you didn't know. Back in the strip club, I'm freaking up more hoes, swinging my ding a -ling. It ain't no thing. This is written by a 37-year-old man. Mm. He was 37 when this record came out. Bringing it back to Glassjaw for a millisecond, people wang on about... He was, what, fucking... 17 18 when he said that the different things yes i do appreciate that but this is a man who's fucking 37 years old what a cunt i fucking hate tommy lee i fucking yeah. hate motley crew i fucking hate them and this is just risible bullshit and the fact that a band like motley crew wherever vaguely popular in any way shape or form just goes to show how deranged and how low we have gone in in civilization this is surely you know this record selling just one copy is the lowest our civilization has ever got isn't it <laughs> 
I it's mean, yeah, it sold dreadful. one to me. I, I, I bought this out of oh, just Steve. pure, like, I mean, I'd like to say the song Anger Management is at the time I remember going, oh, you know, this is sort of fairly, I mean, it's well cheesy and well over the top, but it's one of those ones where when you find it for like a fiver or something, I was like, oh, I might try that because I want, I like that. I don't know, I'm in the public eye. I feel like 24-7 be one. I mean, it's like Chris Morris doing rapping, do you know what I mean? Like, he is like Uzi Lover by, <laughs> but um, Uzi Lover. He's an Uzi lover. Uh, it, it's, it, do you remember that? Fucking brilliant. Yes, I um, yes. But I mean, uh, and the guest appearances on it as well. I mean, God, fuck me. You think Snopdoog sounds bored on the <laughs> sounds bored on the Just Eat advert? Wait till you hear this. I mean, Lil Kim just to be fair, about... Snopdoog did have the munchies <laughs> when he did the Just Eat advert. So yeah. yeah, I mean, fucking Lil Kim talking about how seven inch cocks aren't good enough for her it's like oh and then fucking new skin which is probably worse than incubus song if you can imagine it now that is a good that is a good incubus hey, song hey, to be fair. Hey, yeah 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 i mean it does sound like just the rest of it and then a bloody acoustic uh, ballad chorus comes in which sounds like it sounds like stained remix by moby and then you think that <laughs> like, well that can't get that can't get much worse and kid rock turns up yeah yeah uh fucking, new skin is the very worst of American radio rock mixed with the absolute worst of white boy rap metal. It's taking yeah. two of literally the worst genres in music, full stop, and combining them into one massive shitstorm of mm. pain, agony, and torment, purgatory. Uh yeah, I mean, proper, they, they mentioned Proposition Fuck You is the sort of the, the proper rap song. It just sounds desperate. It's like you're trying to sound like Dr. Dre and you end up sounding like Dr. Fox. It's, desperate um, is the key word with this album, yeah. I think. Desperate. I th it's just Crash desperate. sounds like a new metal version of um, I'm Your Man by Wham. Uh, <laughs> he can't help but chuck in some Motley Crue bollocks as well, like on Metamorphosis, which is just got a bit of glammy crap on it. Um Narcotics got the dude from the Crystal Method on it. Mm. Now, this is back when Americans knew fuck all about dance music. And boy, do the Crystal Method really expose their lack of understanding of that genre, mm. just in general, but particularly on this record. Um, yeah, it's poor. It's uh, just, a, it's a bin, isn't it? It is a bin in a car crash, this record. Um, it's a bin on fire in a car crash in a fucking nursery, is what this album is. It's, it's a awful. bin bin full of used nappies driving a car with vince neil crashing into an orphanage is what this record is it is fucking dreadful the band went on to play the other stage at glastonbury in 2000 um before kind of splitting up almost straight away um they were put on a stage on the other stage at glastonbury in 2000 now now just bear that in mind for a second in fact I got the lineup from that stage that day, right? Look at this. They had Nine Inch Nails headlining, mm. Moby, Counting Crows, Cypress Hill, Live, A Perfect Circle, and fucking Methods of Mayhem. Now, that's mm. actually quite a kind of rock orientated day around the time of 2000 when it was big. Nine Inch Nine Nails. Nine Inch Nails and Perfect Circle. Yes, please. Yeah, well, even Cypress Hill in there as well. I mean, I like Counting yeah. Crows. But yes, you just I think with as an opening, you think of all the bands they could have got that would open up that stage around that time. Idlewild, Eat, I mentioned Incubus, Machine Head, Therapy, 
neurosis. I mean, you could have got Ramstein back then. Yeah. They were that start. They weren't, weren't much bigger than that. But yeah. no, no, let's not get any of those bands. Let's not get Deftones or Slipknot. Mm. Let's get fucking Methods of Mayhem. Mm. What were you thinking, Michael Evis? You're on fucking smack or something. What, what the hell? Uh, it wasn't Michael Evis's decision, let's face it, because he's had nothing to do with the music for years. But yes, uh, I absolutely, I concur. Um, Unbelievable. Absolutely. It's probably Emily Evis, though, maybe. I don't know. Yeah. But waste of time. Waste of time. Um, he briefly got back together with Pamela Anderson and she appeared in the truly bizarre and embarrassing video for Get Naked. And then uh, they split up, uh, as I said, and they both Pamela Anderson and the band before he returned to it uh, a decade later to release the album, a public disservice announcement, which according to Wikipedia was quite the departure. According to Wikipedia, it says a public dis- disservice announcement was more varied in style, covering genres such as rap rock, new metal and dance rock. Oh, well, they said branching out. <laughs> That's the same fucking genre three times. He's doing, he's doing some different type of music like grunge, post grunge and uh, punk grunge <laughs> what are you fucking on about um there was actually some talk last year that he was going to be releasing another one of these records which would yeah. mean that we'd get a method to mayhem album every 10 years like yeah. the fucking plot of it <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh, every 10 years it comes back and we have to quash it um but luckily he didn't i mean I've written a shite artist making a shite album from a shite genre, shitely. That's it. My only problem with that sentence is there weren't enough shites in it. But yes, <laughs> I agree for the most part. Um, mm. It's fucking dreadful, isn't it? It's it's rubbish. It's completely, completely rubbish. Um, it's those intergalactic hoes who come out of those space probes. Fine green honeys representing with no clothes. Just wanted to throw that in there. He was 37. Yeah. Do you Grow know what up. Do you know what Nicky Six uh, said about it in the year 2000? He said it was all right, didn't he? He said it's pretty good for what it is. I guess you'd call it rap rock. Yeah, well, you're Nicky Six. That so just goes off. to show how little Nicky Six knows about music, which is obvious from uh, all of the music he's ever been a part of. I call it music. <laughs> yeah. um, more like horrible din of shit. I fucking hate this. I fucking hate. I'm in a fucking mood talking about this record. I think I just think I don't like talking about abhorrent people. And we've just done that for fucking half an hour. I Mm. absolutely hate Motley Crue and I hate Methods of Mayhem and I hate everyone who likes them. (laughs) (laughs) It's bad, this. It's so bad. Um, where do we put it, Renfrey? Where do we rank it? Oh, it's it's got to be a contender for the top spot, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, it's oh, that. Oh, 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 yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, it's a contender. I am struggling to be professional here due to my hatred <laughs> of, of all of this. Um, and I'm dying to put it. Do you know what? Someone, someone sent me, I apologise, I've forgotten your name, but someone sent me a video of Donny Tourette um, watching his Nevermind the Buzzcocks appearance back mm-hmm. uh, like 10 years later. And he's sort of saying, yeah. oh, this is like watching it for the first time because I was so drunk. Oh, being drunk's great. Mm. Um, and um, 
sort of made an argument to be like it wasn't defending him but sort of said well at least he shows some kind of remorse i mean mildly yes he mildly shows some sort of remorse he's still clearly a cock end donny tourette but he does show a mild sense of remorse i suspect well tommy lee doesn't show any remorse for this record and probably is massively proud of it um and thinks it's amazing because he's gone back to this project um and tried to resurrect it once again and um i believe failed miserably thank fuck um which makes me tempted to go number one yeah i mean i uh, donny tourette is saying that about his never mind the buzzcocks appearance i and he's not being completely like oh god i'm so embarrassed it's so awful mm. um he got fucking owned on never mind the buzzcocks completely so he's not really got much of a leg to stand on no, he what doesn't. he thinks about um blood sweat and towers and we dick on the sex pistols as i believe is what he said at the time um we don't really we don't really know um blood sweat and well towers, well i will say this Towers of London did attempt to make a comeback not too long ago, which I believe I mentioned um, on yeah. the show. And they ch- radically changed their sound would definitely be OTT, but they did definitely make an attempt well, at actually changing their sound. Methods of Mayhem radically changed their sound. They incorporated new metal, rap metal and dance metal. So, and I mean, if that's not incorpor- changing massively from the, just the right. new metal that they were doing before. You're right. Let's uh, place it 14th after Bob Dylan. <laughs> <laughs> I changed my mind. Yeah. um i think that this is i mean towers of london oh god towers of london i mean i actually can't, i've got no argument because as bad as towers of london is it's at least ripping off something which is kind of classic yeah Do you know it's jumping on a bandwagon of something that was good in the first place guns yeah. and roses and the sex pistols are good yeah. tommy lee was ripping off spine shank and fucking crazy town i mean yeah and and you know there's there's kind of you look at the towers of london and you look at everyone involved and none of them have ever gone on to do anything good at all ever method to mayhem's got george clinton on it and it can't save it yeah yeah it's got george clinton and snoop dogg and you know i'm i fucking i like limp biscuit and you listen to limp biscuit in comparison to this limp biscuit sound like fucking mozart compared to this at least limp biscuit have got like wes borland writing fucking brilliant riffs and this great rhythm section and they are actually great musicians none of the the like none of the we haven't really talked about how fucking boring the music is yeah yeah it's just dull as i mean it's um it's uh (laughs) <laughs> it's quite minimalist the music on this i didn't think i'd be using the word minimalist in in this but uh, well you is, mean it, it, they don't know what they're doing isn't yes, it? Exactly. <laughs> yes exactly yes like, exactly it's just sort of there it's just it's offensive and boring at the same time mm. that's an amazing you know what that's an amazing achievement to be offensive kind and boring an at the same time <laughs> but it's offensive and boring to be um, bland to be bland and and conservative yet at the same time be abhorrent and offensive and grotesque is actually quite difficult i would imagine it's a fairly difficult thing to do Mm. can bob dylan do that can lou reed do that Uh, (laughs) lou reed might be able to actually yeah lou Um, reed might be able to um yeah i think this is this has probably got to go at number one yeah 
Yeah, I, 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 I mean, to put, to put into context, right, when we put Towers of London at number one and I thought, my God, that is rubbish and it'll stay there for a long time. But I was like, are we doing the right thing? Because my God, Graveyard Classics Volume 2 by Six Feet Under is so bad. When I think about great Six Feet Under's Graveyard Classics and I think about Methods of Mayhem, to me, I'm like, oh, there's absolutely no... Co-. Like, Methods of Mayhem is far worse. Yeah. If it's not number one, it's number two this record i mean it's more of a number two than a number one in toilet terms but fuck me this is just an atrocious piece of shit which should be nuked into yeah, I think... orbit and never seen ever again in fact don't nuke it into, don't put it into orbit because an alien might find it and think oh my god is this what that planet <laughs> is producing let's nuke Let... the fuckers right now um, let's blow it up yeah so in that case bury it bury this record as deep into the earth's core as you possibly can um it is an utter travesty um as is tommy lee it's a very 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 bad record as as holding up a mirror to the artist in that in those terms it is on point because Mm. this is tragic as is tommy lee um but um oh poor tilo Oh, Tilo, well, though. you know, any asso- anyone who associates with Tommy Lee is also tragic, obviously. Mm. Um, uh, it, yeah, uh, it just has to be number one. So I'm so fucking... I sent you a message after listening to this record, basically saying, I am so fucking angry right now. I am so angry that half, half a million people bought this record. I think it's an absolute joke. But is it the worst new metal record? We'll soon see, because like I say, we've got some more in there. Um, so there you go. It goes in at number one. Yes, I agree. Motley Crue, uh, Motley Crue same thing. Methods of Mayhem. <laughs> Motley Crue and Methods of Mayhem is just the same thing, but with slightly different fitting trousers. Yeah. Uh, that, that's it. Um, <laughs> One's leather pants and the other's like, I don't, Adidas. Big baggy yeah. jeans, yeah. Um, all right, there you go. Methods of Mayhem self-titled goes in at number one, the worst album, and I think quite comfortably the worst album, which is fucking staggering when you think yeah. of the shit that we've had to cover, uh, which means another one goes into the mix next week, Renfrey. I cannot believe it will be as bad as that, but who knows, because there's some fucking guff in here. I'm just picking <laughs> it out now. I, I've got about nine in my hand. I can't get the bloody bits of paper away from each other. Uh, here we go. Ah, we were just talking about him. Lou Reed and Metallica. Lulu is up is up next week the first album to come out of the hat that i own on shiny cd both of us own oh i thought there was one that came up uh well you own this this yeah but you don't oh sorry yes so both of us own oh right sorry both of us own (laughs) fucking hell um (laughs) i've i've had some big old chats about um lulu over over the years on various things so spoiler alert it's not going to be number number one yeah not not a chance um uh maybe in a million years um anyway (laughs) lou reed and metallica's lulu make sure you come back for that next week as we will also be reviewing new albums from oms and sports team as well remember to go over to musicism you didn't know that did you but i'm checking that in yeah we're doing that um so we're yeah uh, we'll be doing that next week go over to musicism.net and put riot in capitals in the checkout to get 25 percent off of all their very excellent courses uh, our patreon page patreon.com forward slash riot act podcast is available for you to sign up for for the lamb of god special and the anti-mask rioters review as well if you so wish um but we will see you next week um keeping our jizzy jizzy very much in our pants hopefully <laughs> i can't promise 